Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott, and I'm your host. I'm a transformational leader and an instigator of joy, and I use human design, intuition, and professional coaching to help people relax into their true essence so they can experience more ease, abundance, and joy. And of course, I would love to help you do just that. I am accepting some new private clients this year in 2022. And if you are interested in working with me in a long-term coaching relationship, head over to kelseyabbott.com to apply for long-term coaching. If you're interested in something shorter, I am still offering mini sessions and full sessions. Mini sessions are 30 minutes, full sessions are 60 minutes. Everything is designed to completely transform your life. So let's talk about the energy right now. It is fascinating. We are in this time right now where the calendar says we're in 2022, but human design new year doesn't start until January 22nd. And so we're in this time right now of preparing and shedding and getting ready to step into the new year anew and afresh is a fresh word, but like cleansed of and leaving everything that we don't need, everything that is no longer serving us, leaving it behind in 2021. So I have had so many experiences lately of, huh? Oh, I didn't even know that was there. And yeah, let's leave that in 2021. It's just a, like stuff is coming up to be released. And in my experiences, as I've seen them as such delightful surprises. Oh, like, oh my goodness. Thank you. I didn't know I'd left that old pair of shoes in the closet. Yeah. I don't need those. Those can get donated. That is not an actual example, but it's an analogy. Things are just coming up all over the place. Little things, big things, clearing, 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 clearing. And it feels so good. And I know so many people going through this, like thinking they're going in one direction and then being like, oh, whoops, apparently I'm not going in that direction and just letting it go with so much ease. It's all coming together. And a note on changing your mind. So that's, that's the easiest way we have to describe what happens when we commit to something, perhaps using our mind, and then we step away and get centered in our energy and drop into our bodies. And we're like, wait, what? No, 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 this isn't for me. We use the phrase, I changed my mind, but really it's, "Mm, sorry, I wasn't listening to my body. And then I listen to my body and my body always tells the truth. And my body tells me this. Whether you want to call on changing your mind, listening to your body, I want you to know that it is a-okay to do this. You don't need to, to please other people. You don't need to please real people. You don't need to please invisible people. You really, truly are here. Your number one job is to take care of yourself mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Take care of this vessel, take care of this soul, take care of all that is you. And then when you do that, then you will be able to give your best you to the people you love, to the job you love, to the things you love, to everything. But number one, it's got to be taking care of yourself. Okay. So now let's talk about this conversation with Caitlin Gehring. 
Caitlin's been on the podcast a couple of times already. She is my favorite astrologer. And I asked her to come on here to talk about Mercury in retrograde. We are going into our first Mercury in retrograde, January 14th, tomorrow, if you're listening to this on the day that it airs. And what is Mercury in retrograde, right? We've all heard of it now. It's become part of pop astrology. And it comes with all this fear like, oh, don't sign contracts. It's Mercury in retrograde. Don't launch a project. It's Mercury in retrograde. Don't buy a house, buy a car, any of those things because it's Mercury in retrograde. So that leaves us in a whole bunch of icky, sticky fear, right? I asked Caitlin to come on and clarify this and give us an empowered perfect. Oh, perspective is what I mean, but I was going to say an empowered perfection. So let's just go with that. I don't know what it means, but let's just say Caitlin is here to give us an empowered perfection of Mercury in retrograde. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Remember to check out her website. Remember to check out her podcast. Remember to check out my website, KelseyAbbott.com. Get yourself on the email list. That is where you will learn all the things. And that's all I have for you today. Enjoy this conversation. Thank you for being here. You are amazing. You are a miracle. I love you so much. Go forth and be awesome. Welcome back, Caitlin. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm happy to be here. I am so excited to play with you again. And as I just said, I don't know what's coming out of my mouth first, but I do think it's, you mentioned something in your email this week that really piqued my interest. And then we've been texting about it a little bit about how this idea that ADHD comes from, we are like nomadic people instead of the farmers. Yes. It's so interesting. And I, um, found out in 2020 that I had ADHD. And then in this last year, I found this book and it's just, yeah, it's helped so much and it makes so much sense. And, um, I don't really know where do you want me to start with this? I don't, can you just kind of recap basically what you shared with me yesterday? Tell the people what it's about, what's going on. Um, so basically the idea is that, and this book is called ADHD, of course, I'm completely blanking on it. Hunters in a farmer's world. And the premise of it that it's based off of is this idea that society is built off of um, the farmers and society when it first became a thing. And when I say society, I mean like communities and people existing in smaller communities and staying in one place. This only happened with agrarian society coming up. So people starting farms, starting to grow things, staying in one place. And this was the first time that people were really doing this going back to like the hunter gatherers, right? And so these types of humans, just by nature of what they were doing, and then of course, natural selection does its thing from there, um, needed to have and did have skills that lent them towards being in one space for a long time and, um, and working with the land. So things like being able to focus and do repetitive tasks for hours on end, being able to wake up each day and like do the same tasks over and over, um, having foresight to think about what's happening with the soil and the seasons and what you're growing and like the crops, um, not just six months in the future, but like six years in the future, all of those things were so needed. And that was really what 
created the foundation of modern societies, right? And people being in one place and communities developing, towns developing, cities developing. And so um, the author of this book talks about how ADHDers come from the other types of people, the nomads, the people who didn't stay in one place that when agrarian society was developing, were still traveling the world. They were maybe shepherding, they were, um, traveling within their tribe, migrating to different places, whatever it may be, but they were the people who needed a different skill set to be able to do that. You have to have a quicker um, gut instinct and impulsive reaction because when something's like wrestling in the trees, you're not like waiting around to see if it's your friend, you're like running or getting something to defend yourself or, you know, like making those snap instinctual decisions. Um, you also have to be able to adjust to your environment and be constantly taking in new information from your environment so like not just adapting to the new information but being aware of the new information coming in um which now like looks like um a lack of hyper focus or not being able to focus on one thing but actually that's like a superpower right being able to be taking in the things in your environment and then from there um moving forward and making the decisions and and whatever else that looks like but yeah, it was so fascinating to me too, because my, um, and Kelsey, I talked to you about this, but my family line on both sides were farmers, like in the last couple hundred years. And so I was like, wow, this is very fascinating that I come from lines of farmers, but yeah, I still obviously am like this nomadic type of person. Um, and I did a lot of digging in my ancestry and looking at my family history. And even though a lot of my family was involved in agriculture and farming for the last couple hundred years. They were also like moving around everywhere. Um, on my dad's side, nobody has stayed in the same country over two or three generations for the last like 400 years. They've just been traveling around and who knows where they were and what they were doing before that, right? Like that's all the record that I can find. And I'm like very privileged to be able to have that long of a record and to go back that far. And similar with my mom's side, they were farming in the United States, but um, they were moving over all, all over the place before that. And um, it's interesting too, and thinking about in the United States and our country, like the majority of people who are here are from some kind of nomadic group of person because they had to come to a new place unless you're indigenous. Uh, so yeah, it's just, it's so fascinating and makes complete sense to me. It makes so much sense. And when you're describing the farmers, I literally want to run away <laughs> like repetitive tasks, planning seasons and ahead. Oh, oh. And, like, the land and knowing that you're going to be tilling that land for the next six years. Like I would rather die. <laughs> yeah, that is, I am. I mean, and it's, it's interesting too, because look at us both right now. I traveled in a camper for 16 months at a time and three months before that. And we've just been talking about how, we both know we're going to hit the road sometime yes. soon. You're currently living in an RV, like ready to go at any minute. Absolutely. Yeah. We like both have that itch. I so see it. And like, if I look back at even at like my parents, I see that in them. And I always attributed that to like their Sagittarius placements and whatever, but like, it's so funny and so true. My dad traveled every single week. Like his, it literally his entire life was based around travel. He like learned to fly at a young age has just always had the itch to go and to move and to experience different things. And yeah, I love it. Yeah. My mom is a travel agent. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's so perfect. That's hilarious. It's made me so much more grateful for those traits too. And able to like see them as superpowers instead of, um, 
questioning why I can't function in the way other people do or feeling like I'm lazy or there's like something wrong with me for not being able to focus and do the same thing for a long time or, you know, whatever, whatever ways those specifically manifest, it's let me really let go of any um, shame I was still holding towards myself about it or guilt or feelings of like, I should be another way, you know? Yeah. I think it's really interesting. So you've only had like a little more than a year with that actual official diagnosis. I was diagnosed in like 98. Well, I think I was kind of diagnosed. I don't even know if when I was in first grade, they had the term ADHD, but they like slapped a whole bunch of labels on me, a whole bunch of learning disabilities. And then, yeah, it was in college that I was officially diagnosed and I was just like, yes, that's me. (laughs) That is accurate. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. And, you know, um, a lot of women go misdiagnosed for a really long time because the typical things that they look for, especially in young kids are like lack of focus at school, not getting good grades, right? Like not being able to sit still. And it's usually, um, young boys that they focus that on and that they like even project that onto to see that within, and they don't see girls who have ADHD, but just don't fit those exact characteristics of what they think that they should be looking for. And, um, even when I found out, I was like, well, I like got good grades and I did well in school. And, um, while I was talking to a friend of mine about it, she was like, yeah, but how did you manage schoolwork? Like, what did that all look like for you? And was it very different than the rest of your class? And I was like, oh yeah, I would like go to class and listen to the lecture. I would never touch anything about it again. I would write a paper the night before it's due and get a good grade on it. You know? Um, she's like, yeah, you, you, you have ADHD, my friend. Mine was much the same, but as comparative physiology that made me get the diagnosis because that required me to like, actually like sit still and take in a whole bunch of information at one time and focus to an extent that I was good in the labs, but in the actual like book learning and yeah, that's the interesting thing about ADHD years too. We're like really good with experience. We need to like have our hands and things are much more kinesthetic, but being asked to like, just sit down and learn something from a book doesn't really compute well for us. Yeah. And they used to say, because I had the diagnosis in college, they were like, you can have extra time for a test. And I was like, I'm sorry, what, why would I want that? That sounds like hell. Yeah. Why do you think that's going to help me right now? (laughs) Does that mean I get to run away in the middle and then come back and finish it? Cause that might work. Yes. (laughs) Like you're going to lock me in this room for more time than the rest of the people. Oh God, no. Yeah. That makes it 18 times worse. (laughs) Okay. So the original plan here with two ADHDers, the original idea is to talk about Mercury in retrograde. Yes. And I mean, everyone (laughs) has opinions and perspectives on Mercury in retrograde. It's now like people who are not at all into spiritual stuff or not at all into astrology will drop the term Mercury in retrograde. Absolutely. And everybody like cringes too. Yeah. So can you take the fear away, please? Can you explain it to us and just talk about, I know this episode is actually going to air. We start on the, the, the January one on the 14th, right? Um, 
for me, it's the 13th, but I think oh, okay. that's the time zone I'm in versus you. So yeah. Okay. 13th. Well, so this episode will air on the 13th. So this is oh, perfect. Just getting people ready. So I love it. Educate yeah. us, please. Caitlin. I just have to take some of the fear away because you're totally right. Like people who know nothing about, um, astrology and spirituality and all of the things when they hear mercury retrograde they they are like no what does this mean this has to be a bad thing just because of how it's portrayed and honestly it drives me crazy because mercury retrograde is not something to be afraid of at all um okay so mercury retrograde let's talk about just what it is real fast before I get into what's happening with it and how it affects us so mercury retrograde happens three times a year It's a natural function of Mercury. Mercury is a planet that um, rules communication, ideas, our thought process. Mercury in mythology was um, the communicator between the uh, gods, the communicator between the uh, gods and the underworld and was the only person who could like move between the quote unquote upper and underworlds. So it's this idea of sharing information, being the messenger, um, how it is that you communicate with people is all ruled by Mercury. Your brain processes are ruled by Mercury. Uh, It's very much like the left side intellectual piece of your brain, um, as well as the actual communication piece, like how words come out of your mouth, how you engage in conversation with other people, etc. So this functions in a way that operates pretty quickly. Mercury is a really fast paced planet. It's, it's the planet that has the fastest elliptical around the sun um, and moves through the signs the fastest after the moon. So when we have a Mercury retrograde, it's this three week period of time that we get to kind of take a break from the speed at which we've been running to reflect and gather ourselves and look back over the last few months and um, just kind of reevaluate. A lot of R words you hear being used in terms of retrogrades, like reflect, review, uh, reanalyze, reevaluate. It's it's all of these pieces of like looking back, turning a little bit inward and just kind of sitting with how are these things feeling? Um, what adjustments may need to be made from here? And so with Mercury, this has to do with, again, all of those pieces around communication and our thoughts and how we're giving and sharing information. And Mercury also connects to technologies. So this is why like we experience during Mercury retrogrades, um, things with technology, just like not going as smoothly or like not working at the times that we want it to. Um, so it's important to just give yourself like extra space during a Mercury retrograde. If you have a zoom call get onto your computer 10 minutes before so that you can troubleshoot any issues, right? Just looking over your email before sending it and making sure the attachment's there. It's like the little things that are kind of annoying and like just perk at you that come up with Mercury retrograde, which is why it gets such a bad rep. And it's also a lot easier to have miscommunications during a Mercury retrograde because everyone's kind of in this reevaluation phase. But if you don't know that that's what you're going through, then it can be more challenging. You might like run into people who share things with you and then like a couple weeks later they're like actually I don't I don't want that anymore or like let's move in this direction so just know that things that come up during this time might be um, needing to be reevaluated in the future there doesn't need to be a fear of doing things during mercury retrograde though um we I just realized something yeah yeah go ahead so that like things might need to be reevaluated if you are an mg or Mm -hmm. a reflector already like their commitment is completely unnecessary and out of alignment for you, like long-term commitment. So yes. this is just like another push to live your design. 
Oh, 100%, 100%. And for everybody too, right? Like even if you're not a reflector or an MG and like consistency and um, that dedication is still more like energetically sound for you, this is still a great time to reevaluate how things are working, how it's going and like how you can make it better. Um, I have a Virgo Mars. So I look at pretty much everything from the standpoint of like, what can I uh, adjust in this to like help it run more effectively or smoothly or like hit my goal more closely. And I don't mean goal isn't like a number, but just like, what am I intending with this and how can I adjust what I'm putting into it and just see how things are working and how my systems are working so that I can make them smoother or make them work better for me or whatever. And this is that time for everybody. We get to really um, look at our systems in our lives. We get to really look at our systems in communication and in how we engage with communication and connection with other people. Um, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful time to really come closer to yourself and to be able to lean more into your design and to live that design. Absolutely. And I, I remember hearing like when I was first learning about Mercury and retrograde, People were saying, so don't sign any contracts, don't launch anything, don't kind of like yeah. just lay low, wait okay. it out. I would love to talk about this. Um, so I used to really feel like that was so unnecessary. And then I went through multiple experiences where I signed a lease during a Mercury retrograde. I bought a new car during a Mercury retrograde. All of those things needed to happen and all of them supported me so much during the time, but everything was something that needed to be reevaluated in the future. Like I did have to go back and change what had been agreed to at some point. So for example, like the lease that I signed six months later, COVID hit and I needed to move about 40 minutes away from where I was. And I had to negotiate getting out of the lease. And it's the only time I've ever had to do that. And I like was in a situation where I had really no other option. Um, the car that I bought during that time, I also in like at this point in time, um, am literally currently like, okay, during this Mercury retrograde, I'm figuring out what it looks like to trade it in because I no longer want this car. Right. It's like not aligned for me anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, these are bad things and it's not something that you need to necessarily avoid is going forward with something during a Mercury retrograde, especially if you've been like guided towards that. And it feels like a solid yes to you pre retrograde, right? Like if you're moving forward and signing papers to move into a home that you've already been looking at for a month, you're not making that decision during the retrograde. Yes. There might be something that needs some kind of evaluation, but just pay attention. Like actually read everything and what it is that you're signing and have somebody else look it over for you. Just be more aware that there are things that could be miscommunicated or um, that there might be misunderstandings around and do your best to stay grounded, to um, take things a little bit slower than you may want to, and just pay more attention to them. Mm. That, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's really all it is. And you don't need to be scared of it. Like if you sign something during the retrograde and then in the coming months or in the coming years, you have to go back to it and reevaluate it. That's normal. That's totally fine. It might not look the exact way you wanted it to. That also doesn't matter. Um, I launched my podcast during a Mercury retrograde, knowing that like it's going to go through many evolutions of what it looks like. I'm always going to be refining what it looks like. And that doesn't scare me at all. Um, I also have my natal Mercury retrograde. So the way that I uh, perceive them is slightly different than somebody who doesn't have their natal Mercury retrograde. It might feel a little bit more like dramatic to somebody with that. I feel really comfortable 
engaging with this type of energy. Like this is where I live all the time. So um, that's something to be said, but yeah, absolutely not anything to be scared of in any way. Just a time to really be able to um, go inward and like pick up journaling if you've been thinking about it and be a little bit more intentional with spending time with yourself, with being a little bit uh, less reactive in your responses and more emotionally responsible in that way. Um, and yeah, noticing what you're bringing to the table, being open to having clarifying conversations. And also if you're in a conversation with somebody or you're like engaging with people around you and it feels frustrating, or you feel like things aren't being understood or like the conversation isn't going well, not feeling like all of it's writing in that one instance. And like knowing that you have opportunity to continue conversation and to continue working things out is something that comes up a lot too. Mm. This actually, it feels very refreshing to me. Yeah, I feel like it's very refreshing. Honestly, I think that when we resist it, it can feel really frustrating because we like things aren't moving at the speed and the quickness that we usually would like, but it's super refreshing. I basically, I like imagine it as like a little, I don't know, like a little body scrub for your energy. Like you're, you're taking off layers of things that are ready to come off. You're like peeling off the dead skin. Um, that's ready to go. And that's not helping you anymore. And that's not serving either the systems that you have set up in your life or the way that you're able to, um, communicate your own self or whatever that may be and how that's coming forward for you. Do you want me to talk more about this mercury retrograde in particular? Yes, please. So, um, every year the retro, the mercury retrogrades happen in signs of the same element. So this year we are experiencing all of the mercury retrogrades in air elements. Um, Mercury really likes being in signs that are air elements. It's like very functional for Mercury. Air rules, again, our intellect, our communication, our thought processes. It's connected to all of the things that Mercury um, rules. So this first Mercury retrograde that we're having, you mentioned it's starting on the 14th or 13th, depending on your time zone and where you're at in the world. And um, it'll go until February 3rd or 4th, again, depending on where you are. And this Mercury retrograde is happening in Aquarius. So Mercury will be starting its retrograde at 10 degrees of Aquarius. And if you've been following along with the astrology of 2021 and into 2022, you know that um, Aquarius is where Saturn has been. And it, Saturn has been making square aspects to Uranus and Taurus. So this Mercury retrograde is, again, I mentioned starting at the 10th degree, which is exactly hitting this square with Taurus, with, I'm sorry, Uranus and Taurus. So the Uranus and Saturn square offs that have been happening over the last year have been this tension and pressure point between um, a planet that represents tradition, the structures and foundations that are in place, not just in our personal lives, but within the community and society, um, meaning like institutions, the government, all things like that. Uh, it represents how things have been done, how we know things to be, and um, a structured material way that we move forward and exist within the world. This is all Saturn. And this is intention with in tension with the ideals of Uranus, which is a planet of liberation and evolution and electricity and newness and like changing something into something completely different. And it's lightning fast and it happens quickly. And these two planets, obviously their energies are like vastly different from one another. So we've all been engaging with and also witness to um, how these 
two energies are really intention. All of us have ways in our personal lives that we're feeling that push between the way things have been done and like the new that needs to be brought in and that we are always seemingly adjusting to. And so this Mercury retrograde is connecting to that Uranus point and carries that Uranian energy of liberation and revolution and, um, newness and how we are allowing ourselves to evolve and how we are allowing ourselves to adapt to what's coming in. Um, Uranus energy and Saturn energy also, both of these feel external from us in some way. Like we do engage with these internally. Um, but usually when we're experiencing these transits, it's like something is happening externally around us that you have to adjust to or, um, maneuver around or whatever. And so that is coming into play during this Mercury retrograde. This is also a really good time to just like process everything that's happened over the last year plus um, to process wherever this Saturn Uranus square has been happening and whatever it's brought up in your life. The Mercury retrograde is such an incredible time to do this. And that can look like by yourself with your journal that can look like upping your therapy appointments or like starting to go to therapy and finding a therapist. Um, the opportunity to, to process, to move things through internally, like not just from an emotional standpoint, for, but from a mental standpoint as well, um, is really prevalent during this, this retrograde again, because it's like bringing in those themes and, and interacting with this tension that we have all felt and that we are all working through in some way and like learning to adjust to. So there could be, um, there could be new things that happen or things that make themselves known and aware to you during this time that you kind of have to like sit with and integrate. And it's not a time for feeling like you need to figure it out or like needing to use your mental and intellectual to gain the clarity or whatever, like you allow yourself to go inward, to ask for clarity, to, um, write things out and to tune in to your desires and to your, your belief systems and all of the things that are happening for you at a thought process level, but it's not a time where you need to focus on or worry about like having the right answer or getting the clarity that you feel like you need to move forward. Um, you don't need that clarity to move forward. And that's something that is also tapping into a bigger astrological theme that we have this year too, with Jupiter being in Pisces, um, which I don't need to get into right this second, but we can absolutely talk about it if you want. Well, you I just teased it. So now I need to know what that means, please. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so Jupiter moves through Jupiter takes about 12 years to move around the Zodiac. So it goes through about one year in each sign. Um, we had three months of Jupiter and Pisces during 2021, and then Jupiter retrograded back into Aquarius and then moved into Pisces officially at the end of December. So this energy of Jupiter and Pisces is coloring pretty much the whole year. And it's really nice energy to have balancing and offsetting all of the tension and, um, stressors and like the gravity and weight that we feel from Saturn transits in particular, but from the Saturn Uranus square off that we've been having. So Jupiter is the planet of expansion and optimism. Jupiter connects to our spiritual belief systems around, as well as like our life philosophy um, and rules the signs Sagittarius and Pisces. So Jupiter is very happy to be back in its regular home of Pisces. Um, it was in Aquarius with Saturn for over a year and where, Sat where Jupiter wants to expand and make things bigger and like 
make them more opulent, more exciting and more expansive. Um, Saturn wants to create boundaries and put things in boxes and create structures. And so we were experiencing like a massive tempering of Jupiterian energy over the last year. Um, and it's interesting if you go back to look at like the Jupiter cycles and the retrograde cycle, like the way that it corresponds with the spread of COVID and lockdowns in the US is fascinating. Um, that's not something we need to get into right now, but just something if people are curious about, they can research. Uh, so this Jupiter and Pisces energy is bringing that sense of expansion and optimism and hope, especially in regards to our emotional centers because it's Pisces. So this is a water sign. It's uh, connects us to creativity and spirituality and our interconnectedness. And it throws us deep into the throes of like, how we engage with our energy, with our currents of emotion, how do we self-express them? How do we engage with creation and creativity and um, these pieces of our soul that want to be expressed in ways outside of the linear? Like that's really what this is all about. And so it's not necessarily like, it's interesting because it doesn't connect to, to Saturn or Uranus in that it's not necessarily like, tapping into those stories and furthering them or making them specifically better, but it gives us this avenue and this, this energy to tap into that can give us so much like rest and respite. And, um, it's a great thing to allow us to like tap out of the other things at times and just tune into what is actually true and like your own center. And again, tuning into the energy of it and to your own energy and opening up, um, in general, how it is that we expand our belief systems and what it is that we even engage with within our own belief systems. And um, yeah, it's a really beautiful kind of counterbalance to the other energies that we've been dealing with. I don't know if this is making sense at all. I feel <laughs> it's making sense. I mean, all of the, um, when it comes to astrology, the the nitty gritty stuff, like the, the things being square, I still, I can't retain that information, what that means. I'm sure some listeners can, but the big picture, I'm totally with you. Okay, good. And, um, yeah, the square thing, the vocabulary in astrology, I tell people like not to worry about, it's good to just listen to it and get your ear used to it. But if you're listening to what's being said, you'll pick up on the energy that's at play anyway. So a square aspect just for you and anybody who's curious right now, um, is an aspect when planets are 90 degrees away from me. Yeah. 90 degrees away from each other. So they are literally like they're doing this thing where if you're looking at a birth chart, they're making a corner of a square. So what that means is it's an aspect that's not really free flowing. They, um, this describes how these two planets are like in conversation with one another. And when planets are square one another, they kind of have something that they're fighting about. They each have like their own way that they want to do things, which butts heads a little bit. So when you experience these as transits or when you have squares in your birth chart, this is like when energies come forward to really be, um, almost like there's like a grit that comes between them to like sand them down and refine them a little bit. And you engage with those energies much more intentionally in your lives versus if you have, um, 
say like Saturn and Uranus were trying one another, which is a more favorable aspect. This happens when planets are 120 degrees away from each other. They're in the same element of a sign. Um, so this is a much more free flowing kind of energy. They like allow their energies to be more useful towards one another, which of course is a really lovely thing, but it doesn't actually allow us to engage with those energies as deeply because um, it's more accessible and it's less obvious that we're engaging with those energies versus the tension of a square is calling us in some way to um, refine and bring awareness to how we are engaging with those energies um, in our lives. So yeah, so for the Saturn Uranus, it's really about how we're engaging with the structures and the foundations that have been in place and how we've traditionally done things and the liberation and the openness and the evolution that we're really being called forward into with Uranus and Taurus. And then, so Saturn and Uranus are still square, but now we have Jupiter, like making things nice and happy and hopeful. Yeah. Yes. So the square between Saturn and Uranus, we had three exact squares last year in 2021. The third exact square was either on the 24th or the 26th of December. Um, so it was very recent. This year, we don't have another exact square, but they're going to almost come to another exact square. So they're about five degrees away from each other right now. Um, oh, I'm sorry. They're actually three degrees away from each other right now. So we're still in that energy. It's not exact right now, but we're still very much feeling it. And we're very much feeling the story still being played out throughout this year. Um, it's not something that just goes away immediately, especially because these planets are really slow moving. So um, the Mercury square to Uranus, for example, will be over in just a couple of days because Mercury moves so quickly. We'll revisit that square when Mercury goes direct, moves forward again, and comes back to that, that 10 degree point. Um, we'll be in that square again, but does that make sense? Like, because the outer planets are so slow moving where they're just kind of like grinding in the same place for a while for most of the year. Yeah. Yeah. How long does the Saturn... Uranus square last are we there for like multiple years um at the end of this year it'll be over 2023 uh looks a little nicer astrologically 2022 is definitely better astrologically than 2021 and 2020 were um but yeah we're in the effects of the Saturn Uranus square all year long still pretty much I I don't have the exact date in mind I want to say it's like October or November when they start to separate pretty significantly it is all so much of this lines up with human design, which makes sense oh. um, because astrology is part of human design. But thinking about Mercury in retrograde and New Year before before we started recording, we were talking about how human design New Year starts on the 22nd. Yeah. So right now, we while we're recording this, when this airs, we are in this in-between point, which to me thinks like shaking up a boggle thing and just like we're being shown all the things that need to be released mm -hmm. and everything that's got to go before we really truly start with that creating the new with gate 41 on the 22nd yeah absolutely absolutely i love that um that was just so interesting when we were talking about that because it makes sense that this is kind of like a limbo time of year anyway. I've always felt that a little bit, but um, I feel that with the retrogrades as well, like it's very potent during this time to be able to 
yeah, just kind of scrub away at the edges of the things that are ready to fall away and to leave. And with the retrograde being an Aquarius, this can be connected to um, Aquarius is ruled by Saturn. So this could be like the literal systems that you use in your life. Um, and when I say systems, I mean, that can be anything it's down to if you're an entrepreneur, the systems that you use in your business to how you manage your mail. And if you let it sit there for a long time, or if you go through it right away or whatever that looks like, like that's a system. So this is a time where we can reevaluate, um, all of those systems and things, but also really reevaluating our connection with technology, our connection with um, how it is that we channel and receive uh, intuitive divine messages and truth really all come up with Aquarius. Aquarius is also connected to the collective, the community and, and the group that you're a part of. So this could also be um, refining the groups that you participate in. Maybe you're you're releasing some friend groups and like calling in new ones in this year. This could also be like refining and reevaluating how it is that you contribute to the spaces that you're in and how you utilize your unique gifts and talents and abilities to bring that into your work environment, your family environment, your local community, you know, all of those pieces. Um, yeah, I kind of feel like you're describing a lot of the last month too. I mean, I know that I go first and you go first as well. So, um, are there people that feel this energy early? So the energy of a Mercury retrograde is going to always be most deeply felt by people who currently have Mercury activated for them in some way. So, um, that could mean a couple of things that could be a, you are a Gemini or a Virgo rising, meaning Mercury is your ruling planet. You're always going to feel the retrograde more heavily. You could have a lot of Gemini or Virgo placements. You're going to be feeling it really strongly, or you could be, um, currently in a year where for you, either the signs of Gemini or Virgo are being perfected. So what that means is every year of life, um, in astrology, a different house is kind of brought to the forefront for you. And that becomes your themes and your focus of the year. And so if Mercury is ruling that for you, then you definitely feel this energy a lot more. Once Mercury moves into the degrees that it will be retrograde in, it's called the Mercury shadow. So we do kind of all feel this pre-retrograde um, just when Mercury gets to those degrees. So this retrograde, I, I mentioned Mercury starting at the 10th degree of Aquarius, and we'll be moving back to 24 degrees of Capricorn. And that's where it's going to station direct. So since Mercury went like has been at that 24th degree of Capricorn, which was sometime in, um, probably around like December 20th or so, uh, we've been in the shadow up until Mercury will be at 10 degrees. So we're already in that shadow period. So like you could already be recognizing. And of course, when this airs, like we'll be just starting, but think about the last couple weeks of your life. Think about miscommunications, misunderstandings, whatever things may have come up during this time. That could be a theme or that could be something that is really coming forward and is present for you during this retrograde to be reflected on and reevaluated and for you to be able to come out of the retrograde with um, at least some level of clarity about how you feel so that you can contribute to the communication moving forward. Mm. And my North Node is in Virgo. So does that mean that I'm going to feel this? Um, the North node is not always a sign that we, or I'm sorry, a placement that we feel super personally. But what that does mean is that this Mercury retrograde is helping you in some way, like define and refine um, 
how you're moving forward in your soul's evolution and in your soul's growth and what it is that your uh, soul is like hungry for during this lifetime to accomplish, to materially tune into and move forward towards and do. So there might be some refinement of, um, for you, since this is an Aquarius too, like how your overall viewpoints and systems are working in this. This might be looking at the community that you have, how you are or aren't tapping into it to um, be moving towards that purpose. And that makes me think about too, before we started recording and you were sharing with me some of the um, programs that you've offered that aren't going to be offered anymore moving forward. Like all of that fits into that for me. That makes total sense that you're already feeling that and doing that work, especially, yeah, with, with, is that gate 36, the moving through things before others so that you yeah. can walk through them. Yeah. 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 Um, and just to share with the listeners. Yeah. I had a delightful surprise yesterday where I learned that one of the offerings on my website, the video wasn't working and then turns out video wasn't working on a couple other programs. And so I purged a whole bunch of purged or retired so much energy in my business. So many programs that I'm like, been like, eh, it's fine. I'm not like super lit up about them, but they're fine. You know, passive income. I'm still like, like it's in integrity. I'm just not like super jazzed about them. Well, they've, they've got to go and they are gone now. Yeah. There is really no more space left for things that we are only partially connected to like that. Like the things that are, the things that are good, but like that aren't fully it. And it's so easy to be like, oh, this, this still feels good this still is lined up with X, Y, Z, but if it's not giving you that like instinctual, especially for you as an MG, like the instinctual, um, gut excitement and feeling about it, like it's, it's time to go. Um, I've been feeling this a lot too. The Saturn Uranus situations have been pretty much hitting my moon exactly. So the Mercury retrograde is retrograding exactly on top of my moon and Saturn like sat on my moon all year long. And I feel that so many things that came that that came forward to me in ways where I was like, I still enjoy this. So why don't I want to do it anymore? Like I'm still feeling good about this thing, but I um for whatever reason I'm not fully engaged with it anymore. So for me, that's been birth chart readings, uh, which we were talking about. But yeah, absolutely. Like that's a lot of what the square between them are too, is that sense of like there's no more hiding the things that we've kept just because they're comfortable or kept because, um, it's what we do, you know, that, that phrase of like, it's just what we do that doesn't get to exist anymore. Um, which I'm excited about. This is interesting because, um, (laughs) someone told me once, like my impression of all of the signs is really muddy not not clear at all but someone told me once oh virgos like to um like perfectly roll roll and fold their towels and have it all neatly beautifully stacked and i was like well i don't think i have any of that energy <laughs> in my chart and yet all the stuff you're talking about right now it reminds me a couple months ago i just was looking around the house and saw this beautiful decanter that we have. Well, actually we don't anymore, but it, it was a wedding present. It is just gorgeous glass decanter. 
And I was like, oh, that needs to go. Mm-hmm. It was a wedding present. I don't drink alcohol anymore. Like, so there's no wine to go in there. Pete yeah. drinks like a little bit of wine a month. You got to pour a whole bottle of wine in there. We're not having like dinner parties. The whole thing is like, I'm like, you are beautiful and you need to go to a new home where you will be honored and respected and appreciated. So it finally now has a new home, but that it feels like that's the energy you're describing, whether it's like the programs that I'm offering in my business or this beautiful piece of functional art that needs to be appreciated. I love that so much. And that really is, that really is it. Um, We also right now are currently in the middle of a Venus retrograde. So Venus started her retrograde in Capricorn at the end of December, and I believe it ends on the 18th. So there isn't going to be a ton of overlap between the Venus and the Mercury retrogrades, but that's also that idea of like refining your material belongings, refining the things that you have and making sure that what you do have feels good and sustainable and like a solid foundation for you. Um, which also connects us back to our systems and how it is that we structure our lives with Capricorn, uh, in a way that feels good to us and how it is that we connect with other people with Venus. But yeah, Venus really does connect to that idea of like the things that you own. So yeah, going through your stuff, going through your clothes, this is a really good time to like, just refine the things that are around you and, um, clarify that a bit more and open up that energy. And it's interesting too, because I, I've always thought with Virgo, every sign is like responds to and feels energy differently. And with Virgo, I noticed that people with Virgo placements feel the energy of their physical belongings and physical space so much more than a lot of other people do, which is why they have the reputation for like being organized or whatever. And a lot of them will tell you like, it's not that I'm even that organized. They just have specific ways that they like doing things and they like their stuff to one to like know where it all is and for it all to have a place, but also, um, for it to feel clear and flowing and good. And at the end of the day, it's like literally feng shui. Like it's just the energetics of material items within your reality and how it is that you manage them and how they contribute to the flow of energy in your space. Virgo is like very attuned to what that feels like, Um, which is opposite energy from Pisces where Jupiter is this year. And Pisces is like very far on the other end, but they are so sensitive and aware of like the energetic, emotional um, space and what it is that we carry there. And so we have that really beautiful, um, like I, I keep wanting to use the word escape because it feels like an escape. And so something to be aware of with Jupiter and Pisces too um, is escapism, like is literally escapism and using substances to do that or to check out or um, checking out prematurely from things that you have responsibility for. But we've kind of been in like a mode of hyper responsibility for things. And so I think it's nice that we have this little opportunity to check out a bit. Yes. I couldn't, I barely held my laugh in as you're talking about like having an emotional and feeling the energy of stuff. I feel like Pete's going to laugh when he's editing this. When we, I think I've told you this before, but I don't know how much I've shared it with the podcast audience. When we bought this house after traveling in a camper for 16 months. So we bought the house, took the stuff that was in the camper, brought it into the house, but all of our stuff that had been in storage in Maine didn't come for two weeks. Mm. I loved, we had, you know, two plates, two bowls. We had the silverware 
we needed. We had our mattress on the floor. Everything was good. We had what we needed. You guys were used to living in a camper. You're like, exactly. I was like, this space is amazing. And (laughs) and then this stuff arrived and I couldn't even be, (laughs) I couldn't, I couldn't even be part of the like telling people where to put stuff because I was like, all of it needs to go. I don't want any of it, all of it out. (laughs) That's so funny. I am. I'm exactly that way. And I have my Mars and Virgo. Once I get in that mode, I'm like, I'm getting rid of everything. If I haven't it or needed it in a year, it goes, I don't care. Uh, Yeah. It's, there's a ruthlessness for sure, but yes, it feels so good to like have that space freed up and Virgo is so sensitive to the overload when you have your stuff in chaos or whatever. And I mean, I say this and like my closet's a total disaster right now. It's not like I've mastered this in any way, but yeah, that sensitivity to the physical space. It's so real. Does Pete have any Virgo placements? I don't know. I don't know. Cause I can't retain astrological information. I don't know why I'm asking you. I'll have to perform part. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. It really is a beautiful opportunity that we have to refine and go through those pieces at this point of the year. And makes me think about too seasonally it's winter. And I know you and I are places where um, we don't experience like the, the extreme depth of what winter is, but there's still this energy that we are all in, in the Northern hemisphere of, the dying process. The earth is in a space of hibernation and um, things are meant to be shedding and falling away during this time. And uh, yeah, that's not lost on me at all. And the more we're able to lean into this during this time, the better feeling and the greater like the rebirth is once we come into spring. Mm. And that excites me. I've been thinking about that too, with regard to human design New Year's, thinking about the the disconnect between the shortest day of the year being around December 21st and then with the Gregorian calendar then 10 11 days later boom it's like go time ready go and I'm like wait it's still dark yeah it's we're like, still in the darkness exactly it's not that energy at all of like getting going and moving forward and like pushing things and and whatever and it becomes pushing when we try to force that during this time. But I feel like I've heard more people now than ever say that they don't feel like the Gregorian beginning of the year feels like a new beginning to them. And, um, yeah, I've always felt that too. It's, it's not, it's a time for really like rest and evaluation and just letting things be and knowing that you're going to pick it back up again. And especially right now as we're in Capricorn season, um, it's a time to be really particular and discerning about our material connection, meaning like the material that we literally own and how we manage it, how we manage our money, how we manage um, the stuff that we have, and also the groundwork and foundations that we have in place to support us moving forward. And that's really what I like to connect to most at this time of the year is that sense of like, what are the things that I need to put in place for myself for this year to feel supportive, to feel fulfilling, to feel good for me. So that might be, um, I mean, that has looked for me like 
creating some kind of cyclical calendar for my year and, and outlining generally like the offerings that I'm creating at certain times of the year and being more specific about, um, what that looks like for me and, and financials and all of that, but also just looking ahead and being like, do I have the systems in place for this? If I have 10 people sign up for me for this program, do I have all the things in place to onboard them right now? Right? Like it's, it's all of the structures that need to be in place in order for us to um, move off of them and like up level and be on a stable foundation so that when we get to the top, it's not like this rocky thing that's moving back and forth. It's something that uh, is stabilized in some way, or at least has some kind of grounding. So hmm. I'm feeling like I'm rambling again, but it, you're, you're, you've got brilliance pouring out of your mouth hole. It's perfect. Thank you. <laughs> well, we need to wrap this up. So I, I, okay. I don't like this question. It makes me uncomfortable, but it's what's coming through. Just what's one thing that you really want people to know right now? Mm. The one thing that I really want people to know right now is that regardless of where you find yourself and where you are, there is so much available to you and so many new opportunities that are available and opportunities to become closer to yourself, to, to, it's funny, I'm like getting this image. It's not about the external shifts and changes, although it is about that at some point, but it really isn't. It's like about this internal alignment that we have this opportunity to really tune into right now um, and in the next coming months. But it's just such a, it's a refresher. It's an opportunity to really release what needs to be and to move into greater authority in your own self and in listening to and trusting your intuition and your guidance system and connecting with your ancestral teams and your your own guides and um yeah that's going to be a really really crucial piece of moving forward and even though so much of the astrology of right now is focused on like the material and the tangible with all of the saturn and uranus stuff this jupiter and pisces um, almost counterbalance is like drawing us back into remembering the truth and our interconnectedness and um, the fact that it's all right here right now anyway. Mm. That is delicious. Thank you. How can people, so people only a very select few can now get birth chart readings with you. How else can they work with you right now? Correct. So um, right now I'm yeah limiting the amount of birth chart readings that I'm doing and I'm only offering seasonal guidance readings to my one-on-one clients. So I'm offering up, I'm opening up three spots for one-on-one clients during this month. So if people are interested in that, they should reach out to me personally and we can set up a little phone call and just chat. Um, I'm also starting a group program in February, moving through the artist way by Julia Cameron. So um, the program or the container that I've put together is called journey through the artist way. And you get all kinds of support, including um, a couple of coaching calls with me during the 12 weeks that we move through the program, you'll get energetic support and the opportunity to have discounted, uh, energy work sessions and things to really tune into the transformation that's happening during that time. Um, and I'm also open and available in general, just for, uh, energy work and Reiki sessions as well. Which are 
Amazing. So powerful. What's your website? My website is of the stars.love and I'm on Instagram at Kate Gare, C-A-I-T-G-O-E-H-R. Thank you. I love you. Thank Thank you for doing this. I love you. Thank you for having me. It's so fun. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you did and know someone else who would enjoy it, please share this episode. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and please leave a five-star rating and a review. Thank you so much. Get out of here. Go play. Go ride your bike. Go play in your garden. Go do handstands. Go meditate. I love you. You're amazing. Go forth and be awesome.